This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the way. We want it been. Welcome to another edition of Smuggler's Galaxy, brought to you by the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors. It's a Star Wars collecting podcast for mouth breathers everywhere. I'm co-host John Waterhouse, and joining me today, as always, please welcome co-host Justin Haney. How are we doing today, guys? Great to have you, Justin. And also Glenn Williams, another co-host on the program, What is Shaking Glenn? Yeah, you know... Just another day in paradise, man. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the reasons we're living in a Star Wars paradise happens to do with a certain film that is celebrating its 40th anniversary. I'm talking about The Empire Strikes Back. An extremely pivotal moment in Star Wars history happened when that film was released, and it certainly had an incredible impact on us collectors. One such collector is Narayan Nayak of Atlanta. He's a member of the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors and owner of an massive, impressive Star Wars collection that he dubs Moss Atlanta Cantina. Narayan has a variety of items in his collection, but he puts great focus on three Kenner action figures in particular, Boba Fett, Yoda, and Jedi Luke. Now, the first two obviously debuted on the big screen in The Empire Strikes Back. So we're going to talk about those two characters and Narayan's collection on Smuggler's Galaxy. Welcome, Narayan. Hey, guys. Good morning. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to have you on the show, Narayan, and we're extremely excited to talk about your collection. I got to say, the first time that I saw it, my jaw literally fell on the floor. It's absolutely incredible. And here we are celebrating the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. So I would like each of you guys, if we could take a moment and talk about the impact of that film and really what it what sort of impact it had on us as Star Wars collectors. Yeah, absolutely. The Empire Strikes Back is arguably the best. Uh, of all the films, uh, it's my personal favorite for sure. Uh, being a Han and Leia focused collector, you know, some extremely memorable scenes happen in that 
that film that I love you. I know is, is 100% iconic, uh, striking moment. That film really, you know, it introduces, you know, some great creatures and characters that have withstood the test of time. And, and, you know, as a collector, it really just brought some great stuff forward, right? You know, it, it, it expanded this, this world and this galaxy and just huge impact. Uh, yeah, it really did. I mean, the, like Justin was saying, you know, I, I was rewatching the, uh, the, I love you. I know scene this morning, the carbonite chamber scene. Cause my grandson was, I have a haunting carbonite on the wall and he's like, why is he frozen? Why is he, you know, upset? And you just, it almost brings you to tears. Cause you, you just, the impact of it is, is incredible. And Narayan, let's talk about your feelings for that film and what sort of impact it had on you as a Star Wars collector. I've always had a, a fondness for that film because it's, it was the first film I think I saw with my uh, family in the, the movie theater back in 1980, uh, back in Pittsburgh, near a, a shopping mall, I believe, uh, North Hills Village. There was actually a children's palace. And there was, a, I do remember, a theater there that we first went to see. Empire Strikes Back. And I believe I even saw that even before I saw Star Wars. I think we may have seen that on cable or HBO, whatever it was on back then, after, shortly afterwards. But even without having seen the first movie, just an incredible movie to watch. Uh, I, I certainly knew something about Star Wars going into the movie. Just blown away seeing it on a big screen and just the visuals, uh, the incredible dialogue and the you know, how well-developed the characters were in that movie. Just, you just leave a, a great lasting impression. Just some such memorable characters introduced in there as well. Absolutely. And I think this film really hits all the points. I mean, it's got action a go-go, right? Right out of the gate. It's got great emotion. As you said, Narayan, fantastic character development. And I got to say, Empire Strikes Back is a really, really Funny film in a lot of ways, great lines, but also extremely emotional. Like I said, it really hits all the points and it really grabs you. And I think that's that's the reason that it's really withstood the, the test of time and hits the number one spot on many Star Wars fans list as the ultimate best Star Wars film. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, it, it really does. It hits all the notes. It, it's it's a roller coaster you know, it's definitely the darkest of the original trilogy. It, it just an amazing second step, right? In that franchise, it's it's rare you see something outdone, you know, in a in a sequel, and and I think they hit it with Empire for sure. Certainly, certainly, as you said earlier, Justin, the characters. So many great characters were introduced in this film, and two of those characters are part of Narayan's focus collection, as I mentioned earlier, Boba Fett and Yoda. And let's start with Boba Fett and the appeal of this character. I have to say, I was introduced to Boba Fett sitting on my bunk bed, watching on my small bedroom TV as an eight-year-old kid, the Star Wars Holiday Special, and seeing the animated Boba Fett and being absolutely enthralled with this character out of the gate. And when we see Boba in Empire Strikes Back, which was the second time I got a taste of him, there's so much mystique there. You get that tease of this character who has a backstory that you can only imagine. And I think that's part of the magic of Boba Fett and the appeal of Boba Fett is the fact that you are, you see this incredibly cool, badass character and you can only, only imagine what adventures he's seen in the galaxy. And he's that man with no name and really just an amazing character. And I think that's one of the reasons 
Boba Fett hooked me from the beginning. Can you guys talk about that, the appeal of Boba Fett? Yeah, I mean, Boba Fett, he was just a striking guy on the screen. I mean, you see that T-visor, and he, does, you know, he doesn't talk a whole lot, but that T-visor, you just... You know, it's it's amazing, and then his armor, and his, it's just it's a cool cool character. I remember having him as a kid, and you know, he was my favorite character. You play with them so much, you know, the chest rubs off, the chest piece uh, paint rubs off on it. But you know, just just there's nothing. There was no other character like that in the Star Wars galaxy. You know, uh, when he came out, everything about him, he you know, it was just such, like you said, he was such a badass, and he needs Darth Vader to kind of help him out, but he captures. Han Solo and just everything about him. It was amazing. Uh, Narayan, you, what, what's your feelings on him? Well, what can you say? I mean, as soon as he appears on the screen, makes such an impression with that armor. Um, and the fact that he doesn't talk a lot, I think you, the audience almost projects this aura of mystique and, and mystery about him. Um, and he's also a, as so many of the Imperials there, you know, the coloration is just sort of black and white and he's got this very colorful armor and he, you don't know whether he's kind of a completely a bad guy or a good guy is he has his own agenda. And so it, it's something that's like a more nuanced character than, than was introduced before. So you don't just have the good guys and the bad guys. You have these kind of bounty hunters that uh, are, are in there and what they have their own uh, agenda in this movie. Exactly right. And Ryan, you know, there's definitely a mystique about him, a, a man of few words, so you kind of make up this this own uh, story in your mind, right? You you don't know what what his true agenda is, where his allegiances really lie. It's it's a bounty. Go to the highest bidder, and, and I think there's just a really cool mystique there that people gravitated towards. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think it's a true testament to character design and storytelling. The fact that there's really minimal action featuring Boba Fett in the film, you know, I mean, not to mention little dialogue, but he doesn't do a whole lot, yet we're immediately drawn and captivated by this character. And that says a lot, you know, for for many reasons. I mean, going back to, like I said, Joe Johnston's design of the character is just impeccable. Wow, Boba Fett, absolutely an amazing character in the Star Wars universe. And Justin, as you were talking about the mystique of the character and just not knowing much about him. I almost wish we didn't ever get Boba's backstory because I think that was really part of the appeal is just not knowing and him being even more mysterious because of that. Yeah, that's absolutely right. From Kenner's Star Wars collection comes the Stormtrooper, the Sand People, and all 20 action figures, including new Hammerhead, Snaggletooth, and more, each sold separately. And now Boba Fett, Star Wars villain with his laser rifle. Boba Fett is not yet available in stores, but you can get him free with four proofs of purchase from any Star Wars action figures. Details on specially marked packs at participating stores. Offer ends May 31st. Star Wars action figures sold separately from Kenner. And then, of course, we have Yoda, another focus in Orion's collection. Yoda, wow. We could speak volumes about this character. And I think, first of all, the fact that Yoda is basically a Muppet, (laughs) right? But that suspension of disbelief because of this character design as well is absolutely takes away that fact. I mean, Yoda is a living, breathing actor in this film. And I think that's, you know, a cinematic achievement, a puppetry achievement 
that just really goes beyond explanation. Can can you guys kind of weigh in on the appeal of Yoda? I, I'll have be happy to jump in. Um, Yoda, I mean, he's the spiritual center of Star Wars, um, and this movie epitomizes kind of the whole philosophy behind the films and and George's kind of vision of the films and the fact that a puppet, you know, not even a living, breathing actor. I mean, that's actually in the movie can sell that in in, the, in this movie is incredible. And that, that it speaks to the testament of just the designers. And, you know, obviously Frank Oz brought that character to life uh, as well as his other animators that worked with him. But just an incredible thing to behold. Uh, and he steals every scene that he's in. Um, and the dialogue is just immensely powerful. Size matters not. Look at me. Just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, Yoda's scenes, I mean, he 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 full range of emotion, right? He's funny, he's 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 dark and, and mysterious and he, you know he gets serious at, at times when needed and, and like you said narayan he in the hero's journey you know i mean he's the teacher and he he really does exemplify everything that the force means right it's it's a it's a three-dimensional thing that represents everything about the force this this one character and absolutely amazing to see it brought to life uh, in that film. The more you watch of Yoda, the more you watch of like the clone wars and rebels and, and it adds more mystique to the character. He's just, he's definitely, he's a cooler character. Um, you know, the more you get into it, but yeah, it, it just, his dialogue, like you said, his, his dialogue is like, what the heck is this dude saying? What, why is he talking so weird? Why is he, why is he obsessed with a freaking flashlight? which, you know, always kind of blew my mind that, you know, this great warrior acted like, what the heck is this flashlight? But, you know, even that scene with him and R2 fighting over it. And yeah, you're, the, didn't you see this little guy when he pulls the X-Wing out of the swamp? You know, Luke couldn't do it, but this little two foot tall alien could lift this, you know, huge X-Wing from the swamp. It, definitely a cool character. What an introduction that was. The fact that he came out almost funny and almost, it, it's almost a misdirection for the audience. And then all of a sudden you learn that he's the Jedi master that Luke's been looking for. Um, and it just, it's, it's just an incredible uh, thing to behold. A great setup for sure. So Narayan, let's talk about the reasoning behind your focus of Boba Fett and Yoda as part of your collection, those original Kenner figures. What led you to focus on these two characters? Well, I think pretty obviously since I saw the Empire, since I saw Empire first in the theaters, that was around the same time that I was probably also shopping for toys. I mean, who who wouldn't want to go and get Yoda and Boba Fett as soon as they saw that movie? Because I mean, those were the two two characters that made the most impression, at least the new characters that made the most impression out of that movie. And uh, I knew as soon as that Yoda came out on the shelves that I had to have him. Uh, and I think one of the few, uh, I mean, I had plenty of action figures as as a child, but very few playset. The only ones that I remember are the Dagobah playset. Uh, I think I had one Hoth playset. And then I had the X-Wing, which was actually the battle-damaged Dagobah X-Wing. It made, a, it made a great impression. And I played with that playset all the time. Every time it rained, I would go out and like, put that playset out near a tree. I mean, just like the movie, it was just incredible to have that set. And it's, it had a lot of details, too, that really brought out that scene. What a 
creepy swamp. It's Kenner's new Dagobah action playset. You have to put it together. Action figures each sold separately. Yoda, I'm stuck. Fear nothing, Skywalker. I'll save you. Now I'll teach you the ways of the Jedi with the lightsaber. Now how to levitate. I'm trying, Yoda. I did. New Dagobah action playset from Kenner Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back Collection. Action figures each sold separately. Speaking of that Dagobah playset, Narayan, you might know a little better. Aren't there some hidden features in that playset that a lot of people aren't aware of that the original sculptor sculpted into some of like the tree roots and things like that? Yeah, if you really look in closely to the playset, there are all sorts of creatures and animals and things sculpted into the the playset, which I, at first glance are not obvious because of the, the paint scheme. You know, essentially, you just have two colors, the dark brown of the the tree roots and the the ground is kind of a light tan and then the foam. But if you really look at that, there's so many different animals and things sculpted into the ground as well as the tree trunk. I mean, it, it's a neat little Easter egg, but it's not immediately obvious when you look at that set. Kind of what I was referring to, you might not even know this, uh, the original sculptor sculpted his daughter's name into that set. Her name was Emily, Yes, I that's right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, so just like kind of a unique piece of history there. Um, it, you know, it got past Kenner, and it's it's not it's not easily visible, and maybe it's just kind of a, a rumor. It can definitely be seen, um, and I can't recall exactly where it's at, but you can probably hunt for it. Yeah, we'll have to find that and post a picture here. So, Narayan, let's talk about the first steps into a larger world of collecting <laughs> that you took as far as becoming a Boba Fett and Yoda action figure focused collector. And we're talking about the, the original run of those figures by Kenner. How did you dive into this and what was that experience like out of the gate? In just my loose run or just collecting those two specific characters? Collecting those two specific characters. And I, I want to add by saying to the listeners, when you walk into Moss Atlanta Cantina, which is Narayan's collection, his display at his home, there are literally walls of Yoda figures on the card, original Yoda figures on the card, and Boba Fett, not to mention Jedi Luke. I mean, this collection is incredible. And the attention to detail and all of the different variations, I mean, just... It, it, it defies description. It really does. So I, I kind of wanted to see what that experience was like out of, out of the gate. Like how did, how did you first take that first step into amassing a collection that is just really so vast? Yeah. So after, you know, you get back into collecting as an adult, um, I think you realize you, you, you try, first of all, try to fulfill what you couldn't do as a kid. So you go after, you know, all the, the loose figures that you didn't have. Uh, you know, try to complete your loose run. Of course, there's always new, th- new things coming out. So there was a lot of modern stuff that I collected at the time. But when I really wanted to go back into vintage collecting, I really wanted to sort of focus on what were the characters that really made an impression on me growing up uh, as a child and what did I play with? And I always, you know, went back to those three characters um, and the two from Empire, obviously, um, Yoda and Boba Fett. And focus collecting is interesting. I've probably been focus collecting those three characters for about, I would say maybe about 10, 10, 15 years. And it it, it goes in stages. And um, focus collecting, you probably first start out with, you know, what you can afford and, you know, what's readily available. And so I think the first thing I, I look for are, well, you know, I know Yoda had, you know, a couple variations. There was a, an orange snake Yoda and a brown snake Yoda. So let, you know, I, I started there. 
Uh, and same with Boba Fett. There's essentially two two main Boba Fett variants. You know, there's a, a kind of a brown belt, which is a Hong Kong Boba Fett, and a Taiwan Boba Fett, which has a darker belt. And then you start from there, and and then you just learn from other collectors, from forums and groups that all these other variants of these characters exist and it's actually a neat little almost like a scavenger hunt to find these other variants of your favorite characters and uh, it's it's almost like a rabbit hole the more the more you learn the more you you hunt the more you find um and you see you see that there's there's not only just variations in the figure but variations in the weapons uh, variations in which countries these were released, which factories made these figures. So it it becomes a just a, almost like a, a you know almost like a detective type of scavenger hunt. You're looking for these uh, rare and unusual variations, and you you know it never ends. There's always something new that's discovered every day, and somebody finds out. And um, you know, then moving from loose variants, you branch out. Um, you know, obviously you could then go to carded pieces, uh, mint on card pieces. And then there's all sorts of collectibles for every character. And the neat thing about focus collecting is that it allows you to almost carve out a slice of collecting that almost encompasses all different types of collectibles. It's impossible to collect everything nowadays. There's, there's, there's so much out there. But if you say you collect one focus collector, you can Try to focus on all the variants that have been released from every country or from, or all the different card back variants or all the different collectibles just for that figure. And it's much more doable and much more, uh, not, not as much of a daunting task as if you were kind of going in after everything, you know, car, every, every different character on every different card or every, you know, every different variation of every different figure. It also allows you to learn much more in depth about each character. Now, Ryan, I want to focus on that for a second. Um, for the listeners out there that haven't had the pleasure of visiting the Moss Atlanta Cantina, Narayan, as John said, has walls. <laughs> um, and let's let's maybe just uh, core in on Boba Fett. You know, you've probably got a, I couldn't even imagine, 70 to 80 different loose variations of Boba Fett. If, if one was getting into variation collecting, what are some good resources they could use? Because the minutia of that area of collecting is just beyond me. I completed my loose run close to 20 years ago and just stopped. You know, I probably have the wrong weapons with the wrong factory with the wrong country of origin, but you know, back then it wasn't a big thing. It's something that that's really changed in the hobby. So you've obviously mastered it, at least for your character, your core character focus. What are some ways somebody that's interested in getting into that that minutia of the hobby? What are some ways they can they can go about it? Uh, what are some resources they can use? Things like that. I think one of the the main resources that uh, you can use, and certainly what I used um, initially, was other collectors and especially other collectors' websites and reference websites. Imperial Gunnery is is probably a fountain of information on these variations, uh, not just for weapons, but also the different variants of these figures as they were made in different factories, which are really the basis for most of the variations that you see. And um, I think, you know, back in even in, in Rebel Scum or even currently now on Facebook, there are all kinds of focus groups and there's a Boba Fett collectors group. And, you know, they all focus on every different little aspect of Boba Fett and all the different collectibles that go with it. Um, but I found the Imperial Gunnery very, um, very useful initially. 
Uh, another one, um, it's, I believe it was called, I don't know if this was a website before, but it's called The Variant Villains. And I think there's a guy named Wolf, I believe he's in Germany, that runs this. But he basically does a very detailed analysis of all the different variations for certain figures. And one of the first figures I think he ever posted was Boba Fett. There is a Facebook group that he that he runs, and I think he's one of like the preeminent loose variant collectors in the world. But then after that, it's it's you just you just it's almost learning by osmosis. The more you collect, the more you learn yourself. The more things you discover. Again, you you learn so much just by interacting with other collectors that are collecting the same thing as you. Well, it's definitely impressive, man. I mean, the the hours and the knowledge that you've amassed, I, I can't imagine, but. Senior collection, I've been been thankful enough to go, you know, come to your house and, and visit quite a few times with you. And honestly, I try to quiz you every time I'm there and you know every little detail. You're never stumped. You remember it all. And it's it's quite amazing. Absolutely. In fact, I at one of the gatherings, at one of the gatherings for the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors, Narayan, you were engaging in a conversation with somebody about variants. And I just I had no idea. It went that broad and deep. You know, all of the history regarding the variants and the, and the different production houses and et cetera. And your amount of knowledge is, is incredibly impressive. And you were talking about some of the tools that you used and some of the resources you used to kind of gain that information and that knowledge to develop such an incredible detailed collection. How hard was that, Narayan? Because you were talking about that was 10 years ago. And obviously the amount of knowledge that is out there has to have grown within that time. And was this something that was challenging out of the gate? You were talking about doing detective work. How much detective work did you have to do? Was it tough? I mean, absolutely. I think, I mean, one of the few things that was around during that time may have been the Imperial gunnery, but you know, other than I think some of the forums, uh, it was hard to get all this information in one place. And you had to kind of search around for some of these things. And I would say in the last five years, variant collecting has really come into its own because the knowledge has been starting to get organized and collected in discrete areas where people can actually use it to you know, see what holes are still in their collections. And uh, certainly Facebook, I think since Facebook is launched and all these different you know, groups on every character are seem to be popping up. They, uh, there have been people that have been doing this research, you know, long before I have, have really tried to organize this in a way that is useful to every, every collector. So yeah, it, it's been, it's been pretty difficult, but I think in the last few years, it's become a lot easier to organize, you know, how you collect in a focus. Now, when you were falling down that rabbit hole, did it ever get so tough that you were like, hey, screw this. I'm just going to cut my losses and call it a day here. This amount of detail is just really too hard to research. Did you ever get to that point? You know what? The more uh, the more you go into this rabbit hole, it's impossible to come back out <laughs> because it just is... Uh, uh, it, it just gets more interesting, to be honest, the, the, the more you discover. Because it's almost like a fun little thing that you do when you go to a show and it's like you're having some knowledge that maybe you know is not available to anyone else that's just, you know, looking out for certain action figures and you'll see something that, you know, somebody else doesn't see it, You'll see that it's, you know, something that's pretty hard to find or you know rare because you have that knowledge behind you. And so I've always found the more I learned about this stuff that, you know, you almost get more engaged in it. The more you, 
you know, go after things that you don't have or you don't have haven't seen before. There was a newly discovered variant of, of Yoda's where he he's called the platform shoes Yoda, and he essentially has this extra thick plastic under his feet. Uh, and sometimes it just involves one foot or both feet, uh, and it was just something that people just discovered you know, just by looking at their figures. And, uh, you know, it's not that common, but um, it's kind of a fun detail to go back and discover a detail that you hadn't seen before. But yeah, so it's cer- certainly a, a, new, a new variation that's been discovered certainly had, has been there. Right. And I, had, I have to say something about just the way Narayan's always looking at variants, uh, you know, as far as, you know, when it comes to Boba Fett or or Luke, there's, you know, the three that he knows, cause he's even come to my house and he picks up by Yoda and I'm just like, okay, it's just a normal Yoda. And then he's like, well, you've got the cherry eyed version. Hold on. Let me look at the Cape and yep. It's got the right, you know, right jacket. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the type of person that Ryan is. He's just so willing to share his knowledge of the characters. And, you know, if I've got a question of on a baggie or if I've got a question, Hey, is this Boba Fett? legit he's he's always there to help and and that's what i love about narayan he's always willing to share his knowledge and it just you know he's he's one of the good guys in in the collecting world thank you glenn you're welcome and one thing that justin mentioned off the air getting back to the variants and collecting these specific characters of course boba fett and yoda tied to the empire strikes back we're celebrating that 40th but justin was talking about off the air something that he refers to as the Boba Fett tax. <laughs> Justin, would you like to explain? What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Yeah, so um, fortunately for me in, in my bank account, I, I don't focus on Boba Fett. I'm not too far off with Han and Leia as original characters. But, you know, it's it's always curious to me. Um, it, it can be anything from a Power of the Force 2 orange-carded figure uh, all the way up to, you know, a, a revenge proof card. There always seems to be just that bit of hike on every Boba Fett item that comes out. Narayan, any interesting stories that you've experienced going, you know, down that rabbit hole of, of Boba Fett f- focus collecting? Any outlandish prices you've seen just because it has that infamous character? I think anyone that collects Boba Fett has certainly experienced this, and I think it's it's and it's not even it's not even supply and demand. It's just demand. And it's just a character that just so many people like and so many people find interesting. He somehow holds this almost like grail-like, you know, persona among Star Wars collectibles that, you know, anything that has Boba Fett will sell. You know, it's like Tom Cruise in the box office. It's like you put Boba Fett on it and it, it'll it'll sell more than anything else. You know, and it, it's obviously that the character has made an impression on so many people. And... Uh, that's uh, translated to, you know, the collectibles. Um, certainly it doesn't, it hasn't made as big of an impact on, I think, you know, the, the further down you are in focus collecting in terms of like, if you're collecting loose figures, not, it's actually a pretty common figure, but it still seems to, um, the asking prices still seem to be about twice to three times what, you know, any other action figure would be. Uh, and even the, the carded figures are actually, not you know terribly hard you know there's scarce it's just that when people collect them they tend to keep them they don't sell them because it's like it's almost like a badge of honor in your collection to have a boba fett um and so and people are very reluctant to part with them and so they 
seem to ask more and more prices for them. And uh, that certainly hasn't gotten any better in recent years. Yeah, for any of our listeners out there, if if you're thinking of doing a focus collection and uh, potentially choosing Boba Fett, I suggest you play the lottery and uh, hope for the best because uh, I know it can, def- it can definitely get pricey. They're not hard to find, but um, yeah, the asking prices, as Narayan said, they're they're up there for sure. Even Return of the Jedi carded Boba Fetts are, you know, just crazy compared to the other characters uh, in that run. It's just. Uh, quite amazing i think the return of the jedi stuff has gone up exponentially over the past few years honestly yeah as i think more most return of the jedi characters probably are in the 100 to 500 range max and most boba fett's almost start at that start at that price point um and uh you know they, and they keep working themselves up and up it is what it is if you if you enter this field of focus collecting and you choose boba fett you you know, you know what you're getting into <laughs> yeah it's not a fun thing to collect. I love Boba Fett and it pains me being a focus, a Boba Fett focus collector. Cause yeah, you know, I was, we were at a show in September and I'm trying to get a carded figure and I was like, yeah, he was wanting double or triple uh, what everybody else was wanting. And I've even seen on uh, Nixon used to make star Wars watches and they'd have two of them. One was an R2D2 watch. One was a Boba Fett watch and the Boba Fett watch was $75 more than the identical R2-D2 just because it had a Boba Fett paint scheme on it. So everybody takes advantage of the Boba Fett tax. And, and I definitely, it is a real thing and, and it, it really sucks. It's the pain of collecting a, a popular figure. And before we go, Narayan, I want to give listeners the, the best ideas possible of how detailed and vast your collection is. Now, Justin mentioned earlier, you have somewhere along the lines of maybe 80 different variants of Boba Fett. Is that correct? And also, what about Yoda? Yeah, so with Boba Fett, I'm not sure there's 80 different variants, but probably, you know, a a good number. And a lot of these are, uh, you know, some subtle variations. So there, there may be some differences in the paint. Uh, For example, there's like a black belt, and as I mentioned before, um, you know, Taiwan Boba Fett's tend to have a, a darker or black belt and Hong Kong tend to have a brown belt. Well, there's like a variation where those things are switched. So there's some Taiwan Fets that actually have a more brown belt and there's some Hong Kong Fets that actually have a black belt. So it's, um, and then there's, you know, variations in the limbs. Sometimes the limbs tend to be pale. Uh, there's foreign variants, um, you know, Lily Letty is a very well-known variant in which the color looks um, much different. And then another um, variant, a very well-known variant is the tri-logo Boba Fett. Um, and it, it has almost pale limbs and uh, looks you know, very distinctive as compared to the ones that would be available here by Kenner. You know, it's, I'm sure there's some Boba Fetts I'm still looking for, um, but I'm pretty satisfied with how many variants I have. Um, certainly have the most of the major factory variants and most of the foreign variants that uh, are, uh, have been made for him. I mean, if you just focus on the tri-logo fat, there's actually little different variations where he has a painted you know, knee armor and a painted dart on his wrist. And there's all sorts of, you know, six different combinations of those things. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy that, uh, you know, you could look for a very small thing and then that's a variant, but uh, that, that is what it is. This is the way. And then when we get to a character like Yoda, actually it becomes even more complex because when you have 
uh, with Boba Fett, he essentially has one accessory, you know, one weapon. And not a lot of different variations on that blaster for Boba Fett. But you have Yoda. He actually has a cloak, a cane, and a snake. And then the figure itself. So you actually have so many different uh, parts to that figure. And all of those things actually can have variations. Luckily, most of the factories were very consistent with which weapons or which accessories went with their figure. If you're trying to you know, put together figures piecemeal, it's very common things get mismatched. For example, a brown snake Yoda, it goes with a specific figure. It looks different than the Yoda that went with the orange snake. So it's not just a matter of just putting any accessory with the variant. It, it has to be the right one. Uh, and I know Justin always jokes, and I ever come over to his collection, I always notice that his orange snake and brown snake Yodas are are mismatched. They actually have the opposite accessories on them as as the as what they should as, as what they should. So. I still won't change that just to jab you every time you come over. <laughs> Tell me every time too. <laughs> and, but yeah, it's it's a fun thing to to look for. And also, before we go, I think it would be a disservice if we didn't mention the Boba Fett firing jetpack, right? For as far as the, the loose Boba Fett goes, that's an infamous part of Star Wars action figure collecting history. Narayan, do you own a jetpack firing Boba Fett prototype? I do not own a original prototype of the Rocket Fett, um, which, you know, really is a, I guess, a holy grail for most collectors. Uh, and I mean, the prices of those things have been exponentially going up i think what are they over eighty thousand now for one of those things um i think and, the last uh, one i think the last one sold around 185 after buyer's premium yeah and it's not even you know the if you if you're really talking about prototypes which is kind of the next phase in focus collecting after you collect production pieces which i haven't fully gotten really into that yet even the rocket firing fed is actually not amongst the rarest of prototypes probably maybe about Seven fifty to 60 pieces of that particular prototype out there. And there's certainly other prototypes. There's only maybe a handful of, of prototypes, but it's also a matter of, as we, we talked about demand, um, if there's a lot of people looking for a prototype and it's also possible that there's enough prototypes out there, you know, that you could potentially get it, that actually increases the demand for it. Um, if there's only one or two of them and they're locked away in some, somebody's collection, it's almost impossible and nobody really tries uh, to get those prototypes. But since there's a fair number of rocket sets out there, there's people going after them. And that's what pushes the prices up. Yeah, definitely. I mean, highly, highly sought after piece, not only for Star Wars collectors. I mean, for, to you know, it's basically the Mona Lisa of toy collecting, right? I mean, everybody knows about that piece, the, the history behind it with the Battlestar incident and then having to change it from, you know, rocket firing to non, you know, removing the mechanism. It's, uh, I, I've been fortunate enough to see a handful of them in my, in my time. I've had the opportunity to buy a couple and, you know, now I'm kicking myself because I, I could have bought it and sold it and paid off my house. Just, you know, again, the mystique, right? That figure as well as Boba Fett holds just this mystique. People are just drawn to that rocket firing Fett. And uh, I mean, obviously for good reason. Yeah, my, my wife actually loves giving me crap because we were we were at a mutual collector's collection and he happens to have a rocket fet and everybody's you know, she's sorta of in one corner of the room and I'm 
I'm like, Hey babe, come here. And there's a rocket fed, you know, we've like Justin said, uh, but, and I'm like, come look at this. And she goes, Oh, you know, fights her way to the front of the crowd. And the guy just drops in in her hand and goes, here you go. And everybody just stops and are like, <laughs> Holy crap. You just handed her a rocket fed, you know, cause everybody wants to touch it. And, and she's just looking at it like, Oh, okay. This is kind of cool, but it's just a figure. And then of course she goes, where's the rocket? And he goes, it's over here, but you're not seeing that. Cause she, she's like, let's see it work. And you know, it was, it was just a cool moment. And she still busts my balls about that. She goes, you know, you remember that time I got the hell that rocket fat. It's a cool piece, but yeah, they're definitely certainly, it certainly would have been a very unique action figure um, had it been released. And certainly now there are, you know, replica versions of that figure that, uh, you can obtain uh, even Hasbro has released one. It would have had, you know, a very cool play feature that I think uh, a lot of kids would have had fun with. And, uh, you know, unfortunately there was, you know, some danger involved with it. And then we never got this, never, it never got to see the light of day, but then that just added to the mystique of that character even more. There it is. The rocket fight. Well, Narayan, thank you so much for joining us today and talking about your vast collection of Boba Fett and Yoda figures on the card from the original Kenner run. We really appreciate it. Celebrating the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. And big thanks to Justin Haney and Glenn Williams for riding shotgun. It's great to be a part of this team, and I really appreciate your knowledge. And remember to visit the Georgia Alliance of Star Wars Collectors on Facebook. You can also find Smuggler's Galaxy on Facebook and Instagram. So, guys, any last words before we go? Yeah, I just, you know, we couldn't have celebrated the uh, 40th of Empire any better than having Narayan on and his uh, amazing Focus collections. Narayan, I just want to say thanks for for joining us today and, and uh, you know, helping helping everything you do with the club, man. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Narayan. You're, you're one of the good guys. Absolutely. Oh, my pleasure, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be in this club. And again, thanks for the invitation. All right, Smugglers Galaxy listeners, we will see you next time.